Welcome to the Wandering Bard Podcast. Hi, thanks for joining me on the episode today. Hopefully you noticed an increase in audio quality in the past two episodes. I was actually able to make some upgrades and I bought a really good microphone and I was able to put a dedicated podcast set up in my house. It really limited my editing time down and I think the the podcast audio quality of the past two episodes has been great. But I am now out of town for work, so I'm sitting here in a kind of a hotel room with a blanket over my head, trying to record uh, an episode for you guys. So the room sounds pretty awful if I don't do this blanket thing, but hopefully you guys can suffer through the audio quality this week and bear with me to get through this episode. I think it's really interesting. It's a tune that I'd known of for a long time and didn't really know any of the story behind it. And as I started getting into it, it of course went all over the place. Uh, It was very twisty, the history of it. It's very nebulous and hard to discern who is right and where the origin came from, but it's still really cool. I I love this tune. It's one of those tunes that I'd I'd known of almost since I started playing, and when I first tried to learn it, it was just beyond my ability to play, but then I came back to it a couple years later, and I was able to pick it up no problem. So it's really cool when that happens. You know, you keep aspiring to get better and better, then all of a sudden you try and do something that was too advanced for you a couple years ago, and you're like, oh wow, I can play this now, this is awesome, I, I am actually getting better. How I'm going to approach this is to basically talk about this as as two separate tunes because the history of each tune and the trails of the two song titles each have such a, a rich history that I think they both kind of warranted individual attention. So I first knew this tune as the title The Wounded Hussar, and that's what I'm going to start with, and then I'll go into the, the second title afterwards. A hussar is basically kind of like a word for a a mercenary or maybe a legionary, something like that. And basically, in the context of this tune's composition, it was intended to commemorate the many Irish soldiers who died in the service of other countries, particularly in the French army. And as it turns out, the French and the Irish, they actually have a, a pretty strong history, especially in the 16 to 1800s. There was a war that Ireland was involved in called the Williamite War, which was intended to restore King James II of England back to the throne, and France supported Ireland during this time. After the Treaty of Limerick, for the next hundred years, the Irish actually had a brigade that would always be continuously serving in the French army. They were called wild geese. There were also many French soldiers who would go on exploration expeditions during the period of time when all these European countries were colonizing the rest of the world. Now, this part probably won't come as a surprise to anybody who's familiar with Irish or British history, but the Irish had a uprising against the British, and there was one in particular in 1796 that was led by a man named Wolf Tone. And this uprising, it was actually inspired by the French Revolution and conducted by the Society of United Irishmen. The French were actually so supportive of this rebellion of the Irish against the English that they sent about 12,000 soldiers to County Cork, uh, Bantry Bay to be specific. But they weren't able to land because the British troops, they kind of knew that they were coming. So they actually sent 40,000 troops of their own to prevent their landing in Ireland. In the time of Napoleon, 1803 to be specific, he actually had a Irish legion of his own which fought in the Peninsular War. Peninsular War was a war that lasted about seven years. It was a conflict between Napoleon and Spain 
who was assisted by England and Portugal, and they were fighting for control of the Iberian Peninsula. And it's kind of an early example of proxy war type situation where two major powers are openly hostile to each other, but they're not actually fighting. So anytime their satellite countries or colonies get into a conflict, they basically support the satellite country or colony. Now, this may come as a surprise. It was definitely a surprise to me, but Ireland actually remained neutral during World War II. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I've read things like their army was so small that they couldn't actually do anything to resist against Hitler, so they didn't want to commit openly to being against him, but they were so close to England that they couldn't actually side with Hitler either because England's military would just basically overrun them. What I read that they did is they kind of remained openly neutral, but they allowed British and allied forces to kind of use their location for training and staging grounds for attacks and things like that. So despite being officially neutral, they still had about 50 men and women who joined the French resistance. And shockingly, among these people was the famous Irish writer Samuel Beckett. There's also a play called The Wounded Hussar that was written in 1825, which farther complicates the history of this tune because the play had a song that, what I could gather, used the melody of this tune, and it had lyrics written to it. So as you're looking up the Wounded Hussar, a lot of times you'll you'll find the play, you'll find the song, you'll find the tune, and then because this tune, which I'll get into later on, it was contained in so many different collections of music, it, it's impossible to know who really wrote this and composed it. Thomas Campbell is the person who actually wrote the lyrics for the song that was featured in the play, and he was a Scottish poet who lived in the 1770s, and he died in 1844. He wrote a lot of patriotic war songs. So the lyrics for the Wounded Hussar song were written in 1799, but the play wasn't written until 1825. And the song talks about this woman whose name was Adelaide, and she's walking along the Danube in the moonlight after this battle during Napoleon's campaign in uh, Austria. And basically she is looking for her husband, who is a cavalryman named Henry, and she comes across him on the battlefield, and he's bleeding to death, and Adelaide picks him up. She's holding him in his arms, and basically he's, he says, goodbye, my love, and dies in her arms. Another common name for this tune is Where the Augbeg Flows, and it was featured in Frank Roach's collection of traditional Irish music, which was published in 1927. Now, Francis Roach, he lived in County Limerick and was a violinist and pianist and a dancer, and he taught music and dance, and his father and two brothers, they all did the same thing. So a very musical family, and they ran an academy in Limerick. So he was a very connected man musically, and when Chief Francis O'Neill, who started compiling a bunch of Irish music, he's kind of got the, the Bible, so to speak, of Irish music collections. So when Chief O'Neill came out with his collection of music, all uh, Francis Roach's friends were like, oh, you gotta, you gotta do one too. And so he actually published his own collection of music, which featured this tune in it, but it was by a different name. I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole into that name because I've kind of got my hands full with the two primary names that this tune is known as. And the second most common name for this tune is called Captain O'Kane. And they kind of bear some similar origin stories in terms of what inspired the tunes, but where they diverge is kind of the dates and who is credited for composing them. There are actually some sources that attribute this piece to Turloff O'Carolyn, which was kind of surprising to me because I did not immediately think of it as an O'Carolyn piece. He kind of has a distinctive style of composition. Now, Turloff O'Carolyn, he was a, a blind harper 
who wrote a lot of the Irish waltzes that you hear today, which is interesting because he was considered really progressive for his time. Every tune that he would write, everyone would say, oh, that's that's not traditional enough, which if you've listened to some of my past episodes, you know that there can be people with those attitudes that don't like any deviation from what is what they consider to be traditional music. So this was basically <laughs> Turloff O'Carolyn back in the, the 17 or 1800s, but his compositions are the ones that we primarily play today in contemporary traditional Irish music. So despite the fact that at the time he was kind of shunned and no one liked his music, his is what survived. Chief O'Neill actually attributed this tune to Turloff O'Carolyn and his composition of music, but most people actually disagree that this was a, a Turlovo Carolyn piece. They say it was not one of his pieces. He just kind of collected it. And because so many people were exposed to it from the O'Neill collection, that they think it was his. Sometimes it takes a while for tunes to creep into the repertoire and become accepted by the community. But this was one of the ones that right away people started playing it. It didn't take years for it to sink in or anything like that. The person that the name of this tune, Captain O'Kane, is named after is believed to be a person named Henry O'Kane, who died of his wounds on the banks of the Rolling Danube. He came from a prominent family in County Antrim of Ireland and was often referred to as Slasher O'Kane. His family was royalty in a place called Limavady. They were actually lords there, and Limavady is a place, it's a, it's a Gaelic kingdom in what is now Northern Ireland. Henry O'Kane was purportedly the hero of a hundred fights from Landon to Udenard. Now, the latter is a city in Belgium that had a golden age in the 1700s. They were kind of an economic powerhouse from selling very vibrant clothes and elaborate tapestries, but the French ended up sacking the city three times in the early 1700s, and they never really regained their status. Today, they're actually known for making a famous kind of beer called Flanders Brown, which is made by Leafman's Brewery. And this beer is kind of famous because it's aged three times. The first time it's aged in the barrel for up to a year. Then it goes through a secondary fermentation for a couple months, and they actually age it again in the bottle, and it's a, it's a very sour type of beer. A lot of historians originally thought that it was artistic licensing mentioning the Danube in the history of these tunes, but actually during the War of Spanish Succession, the British forces marched 250 miles across Europe from the Low Counties to Austria, and they won a pivotal victory against the French in the Battle of Blenheim, where our Captain O'Kane would have been serving. And in summary, what happens is our Captain O'Kane, he fights in this battle on the side of the French, and he returns home. Basically, he just wants to go back to where he was born so that he can die in peace. But when he gets there, he's basically outlawed. Uh, he's, he's totally outcast, and they don't let him back in because he had lost against the British. So this man who came from a royal family, his heirs were lords of this place, he goes off to fight and he loses in this battle and he's basically a shell of himself and he comes home to die and they won't even let him back home and he's forced to kind of just wander around the countryside the rest of his days. If nothing else, that should tell you just how deeply the dislike of England ran at that time and that place. I'm going to read you an excerpt that I found that kind of talks about another O'Kane whose name was Richard, not Henry, and adds even more to the confusion because this guy, he apparently originally fought for England at this battle, but then transferred later on to France. So it goes as follows. Richard O'Kane from County Down had a versatile military career. He reached the rank of Brigadier General in the British Army. He fought in France and took part in the defeat of Louis XIV's army at the Battle of Blenheim. He transferred to the French Army and was a lieutenant colonel at the victory of the French at the Battle of Malplaquet in 1709. 
Two years later, he was in Canada with a regiment of Irish foot. He was the military governor of Gibraltar in 1720 during the dispute with Spain. With this background of international service, he wrote widely on military strategy. So you can see why it's so hard to get to the truth behind the history of this tune. The Scots poet Robert Burns actually wrote a song called The Chevalier's Lament to the tune of Captain O'Kane. As if the history of this tune hasn't been sufficiently confusing enough, it actually has some Schlieve Lucre ties. Now, Schlieve Lucre is a region of Ireland that is kind of unique and it has its own musical style. It, it incorporates a lot of polkas and slides. The Schlieve Lucre region, hundreds of years ago, it, it was very sparsely populated. It had lots of bogs and rushes and marshes, and not a whole lot of people lived there. And so the authorities kind of stayed away from it because it was so remote. The soil was kind of barren, it was difficult to get to. So it definitely attracted a group of people who will say liked their privacy. But it gave rise to some pretty well-known traditional musicians like Dennis Murphy, Julia Clifford, Patty Cronin, Patrick O'Keefe, Johnny O'Leary, Morris O'Keefe, Donald Murphy, and Jackie Daly. Now, these are people that many would consider to be the forefathers and mothers of traditional Irish music. So this region and its people really had a big influence that can be felt even today. One of the musicians that I mentioned, Patrick O'Keefe, he was from this area, which is the Cork Carrier region of Ireland. And he learned this as an heir from his uncle, whose name was Kyle Callahan. And Kyle Callahan, he was living in Ohio in a Scottish expatriate settlement, and he taught this tune to his nephew Patrick when he came back to Ireland to visit. But he called it the Banks of the Danube, which is the first line of the lyrics. And because these two were such well-known and respected musicians, the tune actually made its way around that region by this name. This tune appears in many collections, some of which I've discussed on previous episodes of the podcast. The 1788 collection by James Aird, titled Collections of Scotch, English, and Irish Airs, Volume 3, is the earliest version that it appears where it's claimed by Francis O'Neill. In 1904, it appears in J. Scott Skinner's Harp and Claymore collection, which if you listen to that podcast, you'll know that's the one that almost bankrupted him. The absolute earliest reference that I could find to this tune was from a man named Alexander McGlashlin, who lived in Edinburgh. He was, quote, the spirited leader of the most fashionable band in the city, and he regularly gave concerts at St. Cecilia's Hall. Because of his extravagant dressing and his commanding presence, he was known as King McGlashlin. Most interesting about him to me was that he gave violin lessons to Nathaniel Gow, Neil Gow's son. If you're looking for contemporary renditions of this tune, you can find it on Consider the Source, which is Brian Conway's 2008 album, and John Daugherty performs it on his album titled The Peddler's Pack. I'll now read the three verses of the song. These are the ones written by Scottish poet Thomas Campbell in 1799, which would go on to be featured in the play in 1825 titled The Wounded Hussar. Alone to the banks of the dark rolling Danube, fair Adelaide roamed when the battle was o'er. Oh, where then, she cried, have you wandered, my true love? Or where do you wither and bleed on the shore? She traveled a while, the tears her eyes flooding. Through the dead and the dying, she walked near and far till she found by the river, all bleeding and dying, by the light of the moon, her poor wounded hussar. From his bosom that heaved, the last torrent was streaming, and pale was his visage, deep marked with a scar, and dimmed were the eyes once expressively beaming, that had melted in love or had kindled in war. How sad was poor Adelaide's heart at the sight, how bitterly she wept for the victim of war. Have you come then, he cried, this last sorrowful night for, to cheer the lone heart of your wounded hussar. Thou shalt live then, she cried, heaven's mercy relieving. 
Each anguishing wound shall forbid me to mourn. Oh no, then, he cried, for my life is fast fading, and no light of the morn shall to Henry return. Thou charmer of life, ever tender and true, take my love to my babes that await me afar. Then his faltering tongue could scarce bid her adieu when he died in her arms, her poor wounded hussar. There you go. Captain Keynes, or the Wounded Hussar. I'm not going to pick sides on this one. I'm leaving the blanket off for the outro so people who are interested in audio production or podcast production can get some idea of what some improvised room treatment sounds like. I mentioned some of the upcoming topics I have for future podcasts, and one of them was called Columns Road. And I actually just finished the book, and it was a really great book. I definitely think it's going to be my best podcast. So what I'm going to do is I'm saving it for the new year. There's kind of like a a lesson in it. Uh, I'm hoping you'll have some takeaways for people in the new year. So definitely stay tuned for that. When I first started this podcast, I could tell it was going to take about 10 episodes to kind of get everything down right, work out all the kinks. And I think this, this 10th episode, I'm really trying to take everything that I've learned up to this point and put something great out for you guys to start off the new year. 
As soon as I stop on this recording, I'm going to sit down and write the song for the new Treasure Hunt game that I've got planned. So please go into Brandon the Wandering Bard at Facebook. I've got a YouTube channel. I'm on Instagram also. If you're interested in undertaking a musical geocache adventure game where I write a song and give you clues uh, embedded in a video to find a, a little treasure chest, or if you just want to stay updated on podcasts and where I'm performing and the local project and some of these various other things that I do. So... Until next time, be bold, be kind, and safe travels wherever your wandering takes you.